other day. Okay. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. Yeah. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Hello, Chiefs Kingdom, and welcome to this special 2022 draft edition of Defending the Kingdom. Mitch Holzer's with you, voice of the Chiefs, along with Chiefs reporter Matt McMullen. A little sleep deprived, uh, but that's okay. An exciting round one for the Kansas City Chiefs. So we're entitling this episode, We Weren't Kidding. Why? Go back, if you haven't watched last week's episode, where we talked about this draft of being a draft of volume for the Chiefs having 12 picks entering the draft. Value, there's players... Wow, all throughout this draft, and then three, victory. How do you win the 2022 NFL draft? So it starts, Matt, with the two first-round picks. And I think that all three boxes are checked there with these two picks, with the Chiefs getting cornerback Trent McDuffie from the University of Washington, trading up to the 21 to get him, and then having George Kaloftis fall to him, to them, the Chiefs, at uh, pick number 30. It's tremendous value. We're going to talk all about it because the draft is all about value, right? It's just as much about value as it is about the talent that you're getting because if you're selecting talent at a spot where maybe they could have been available later, it's like, well, was that a good decision? Uh, with this draft, that's not the case. The Chiefs got great value and great talent uh, at both of their selections. But first, Mitch... Even though this is kind of like a trip around the world, this is like an emergency podcast kind of episode, which we never really <laughs> do. You know, we're kind of on a schedule, but this is like an emergency podcast. But still, we're going to go around the world because we should. So, and we'll throw in Austin Wood, uh, Austin Woodard, who came from Joplin, yeah. who set up our board. So, yeah, Joplin's not far away, but we'll put him in there just because we need to. We should have Austin on DTK sometime. People would you know love Austin. We should. Yeah. yeah, I think that'd be great. Um, okay, so people around the world quickly. Um, we have Ed in Indonesia. Oliver in York, England. We have a listener in Denmark. Uh, Gerald in the Dominican Republic. Brent in Costa Rica. I went there a few months ago. Costa Rica is beautiful, Brent. And then Junior in Sunshine Coast, Australia. He declared the land down under for the kingdom. Then we have Joe B. listening from Phoenix and declares Desert, Desert Ridge Chiefs Kingdom Southwest. Yeah. We have a listener declared uh, Salt Lake City as Chiefs Kingdom Mountain West. William is listening in Liberty, Missouri. Chris checked in from Union City, Tennessee. Deborah is listening in Timberton, New Mexico, 7,000 feet high. Um, Timberin, New Mexico. I want to get that right. Um, Mark in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Larry in Bakerton, Pennsylvania. Daniel declared Seymour, Missouri as Arrowhead South. We have Mark in Central Massachusetts. He's repping Chiefs Kingdom. Uh, Nikki in Hannibal, Missouri. I missed Nikki last time, but Nikki does never misses an episode. Home so, of Mark Twain. Yeah, thank you for listening, Nikki. I'm sorry I missed you last time. Is Mark Twain still there? Or is he? I'm sure he is, writing okay. books. Yeah. Samuel Clemens. Yeah. Somewhere in the forest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Ross is listening from Stockton, California. Uh, David declared Grand Valley of Colorado as Chiefs Kingdom Western Slope, USA. I like that. Uh, Vicky declared Billings, Montana as Chiefs Big Sky Kingdom on the Yellowstone. Chiefs Big Sky Kingdom on the Yellowstone. Very cool. Uh, then we have Kyle uh, declared Memphis as Chiefs Kingdom Mid-South, but Anthony checked in and said maybe that should be Kingdom Graceland. So there's some debate there. Uh, Van checked in from Chino, California. Jonathan is listening from Wichita. We have a listener in Ohio, a fan of 25 years. And then Mark declared Montana as Chiefs Kingdom North, but he said he declared this years ago. So we'll give him credit there. And those are all our people around the world. You've been to Smith Center, of course, for the Home in the Range Spring Celebration. That was last weekend. Trey oh, yeah. Smith was there, by the way. Fabulous, awesome dude. But Matt Lyon has a 30-minute commute every day to work. He listens to every 
Defending the Kingdom podcast, sometimes twice over. And his son, I believe, is in like seventh grade or sixth grade, is the same. It's the, they share it by listening to Defending the Kingdom. That's so awesome. We appreciate pretty, that. Yeah, we love it. Yeah. So big shout out to our folks around the world. Nothing from Shingle House, Pennsylvania this week. Not this week. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully we'll hear from them soon. We're going to have another episode on Monday recapping the entire draft. So let us know where you're listening from, and we'll check in again on Monday. That'll be important because when we close this episode, we'll tell you what these next two days could possibly do for the Chiefs. But now let's review quickly what happened last night. And Trent McDuffie, it's really interesting. We talk about value uh, in this draft or any draft. McDuffie was on most boards rated as the 11th, 12th, 13th player on our board, of course, which is you know, the board bulletproof. Yes. The board, <laughs> you, me and Austin Woodard, a little bit of Rob Alvarino. Uh, we had him right in that 11, 12, 13 range. He drops 10 spots, but let's just talk about Trent McDuffie first. I'll start. And why does he scheme fit the chiefs kingdom and the Kansas city chiefs and Steve Spagnuolo's defense? First of all, the dude is fearless three-year player at the university of Washington. Some knocking that he's not a six, one corner. He's five eleven, but there's enough girth, but he is fearless. He even com- he compared his game to the Honey Badger, yeah. Tyron Matthew, last night. A hundred tackles. That fits. If you're going to play corner for Steve Spagnolo, you've got to say what I say on the air. You've got to put your nose in the apple butter. You cannot sit there and just fly around and go, hey, you tackle him. I'll just run around. Three, good enough man defender. Good man defender. He has man-to-man skills. Some say, well, gosh, at Washington, he played a lot of zone. This guy has man-to-man skills. Trent McDuffie dropping to the Chiefs, enough for Brett Veach to trade up with New England to get him. It's just crazy value, once again. And we have been talking about, like, 20 to 25 guys that made sense, that were realistic in the range for the Chiefs at the back end of the first round. We've been doing this for months, and we never talked about Trent McDuffie, uh, not because he's not good, it's because he's so good, it was unrealistic he would even be close to that point. Um, We just never thought it was a possibility, and Brett Veach admitted as much last night in his post-draft presser. He said we didn't have a scenario where Trent McDuffie was available this late in the first round because we just didn't think it was plausible. He mentioned some of the rankings. Pro Football Focus had him as the number 11 overall player, number two corner, um, behind only Sauce Gardner. Um, The Athletic, same thing, number 12 overall, number two corner behind Sauce Gardner. Derek Stingley is behind him in these rankings, and he went third overall. And then Daniel Jeremiah had him at number 14 overall, the number three overall corner. He's five foot 11, 193 pounds. You mentioned that, but he plays bigger than his size. All the draft experts mentioned that. He plays bigger than his size out there, so you can't just look at the measurables. And his stats last season speak for themselves. I mean, he only allowed 16 catches on 36 targets last season for 111 yards the entire season. All right. That was the fewest yards allowed for any corner that played, that was targeted at least 30 times in all of college football. Zero touchdowns allowed in each of the last two years. Um, He only allowed two deep receptions, so uh, passes of 20 or more yards uh, his entire career. So you couldn't target him deep. Uh, He had a 52 passer rating allowed last year across 296 coverage snaps. That's fantastic. Uh, And he allowed 3.1 yards per target last year, also best in the FBS. I mean, the Chiefs are getting perhaps the best corner in all of college football over the last three years, and they got him at pick number 21. Uh, This is, again, what the draft is all about. You're looking for uh, exceptional talent, yes, but you also want value, and if you can find a guy that could arguably be a top 12 pick, a guy that everyone thought would be a top 12 pick, you can get him at 21. That's a steal. 
Two thoughts here, too, as we close on Trent for this episode. One, the past, or the future, and the two, the past. What the Chiefs have done now, really over the last three drafts, and for sure the last two, is drafted culture builders. You look at a Nick Bolton on defense, and what, and we're going to get to Carl Loftus here in a second. These guys are wicked smart, wicked smart, tough. Uh, they're agile and versatile, plus they love to play football. I know that sounds cliche, but in this day and age, when you look at a good deal of compensation for high-round draft picks, who is doing it for the money and who is doing it for the money and loves to play football? Nick Bolton loves to play football. So does Warren Thornhill. Justin reads the same way. And then you look at these two guys, they love to play. The past, and I put this out on Twitter, the Chiefs have had four corners selected in the first round. You saw this. Yeah. It created some stir a little bit. <laughs> but these four, real quickly, James Mar- or Jim Marcellus, taken number in the first round of 1969 AFL draft. He was the final piece for the Chiefs to win Super Bowl four, really ahead of his time as a shutdown corner. Uh, multiple Pro Bowls, all pro. Two, uh, Gary Green. He's in the Hall of Honor, 1977, out of Baylor. Uh, multi-time All-Pro or Pro Bowler. Third, Dale Carter. This, now, Dale, the different personality than Trent McDuffie, <laughs> but he was the defensive uh, rookie of the year. And then Marcus Peters, taken in the first round of 2015, the defensive rookie of the year. Out of UW. Out of UW, same school. 103 interceptions combined with those guys and multi-Pro Bowls and All-Pros. All right, so there is a precedent here, at least some tradition, for Trent McDuffie to walk into as a first-round corner. All right, let's segue into the second now pick in the first round. And you and I in Austin were watching the picks after McDuffie was chosen. So now from 22 to 29, it got a little weird. Yeah. Okay? But the unweird part of this was the fact that George Karloftis falls to the Chiefs at 30. And most of the boards, and we had him on our board, in the 20 to 22 range. So much like McDuffie falling 10 slots – Here's Karloftis that falls about the same number of slots. Yeah, it gets back to the value. And I think we saw some interesting things happen around one that we can talk about. But when players are drafted in the first round that people maybe didn't expect to be first-round picks, all of a sudden that pushes the chalk guys, guys like George Karloftis, who everyone agreed would be a first-round pick, pushes them down. And all Brett Veach had to do was stay at 30, and George Karloftis falls in his lap. And he's like, all right, let's do this. I mean, this guy is one of the best pass rushers in the entire draft. Uh, What I love most about him, though, is he is young. He's 21 years old, very new to football. He's a super interesting story where he moved to the United States from Greece when he was 13 years old. He was a water polo player in Greece and uh, did track and field and shot put in uh, high school in the U.S., but didn't start playing football until pretty late and realized he's pretty good at it. And that was a first-round draft pick. But um, this guy, I think his best football is ahead of him. And Brett Veach, Coach Reed, even George post-draft all said that. So you don't find guys like this very often that are as powerful and strong as George Karloftis is. And when they feel like their best football is ahead of them, that's super exciting. I also love just his attitude about football. I mean, I, I was reading some things from his head coach coach uh, at Purdue about how even though he was the best athlete out there he was the first guy at the facility every day trying to get better and like you said yeah that sounds cliche but those things are important I mentioned on our live stream last night that a lot of these prospects and a lot of the players that will be taken in this draft have been the best athlete 
that all of their friends and competition have known their entire life. All they had to rely on was their own ability their whole life, and it wasn't very hard, right? Well, the NFL isn't like that. Everyone's the best athlete in the NFL, but if you already have the mentality of I have to outwork everybody to get better every single day, that's going to help you a ton in the NFL, and I think George Karloftis has that mentality. He said last night after he was drafted, I mean, he's just been made a first-round pick, right? You're feeling like you're the man, right? Well, he said, I'm going to come in and be at the very bottom of the totem pole, and I'm going to earn my stripes. I just love that mentality from a guy that's already uber-talented. So very excited for George Karloftis, a great college player. PFF said that he was the steal of round one. He was their number 10 overall player. Uh, but it's what he can do in the future, I think, that excites me most. You just described, though, the characteristics of Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, and Nick Bolton. That's why these two guys, McDuffie uh, and Karloftis, fit right in as culture builders, not just on the defense, your subculture. We talk about subcultures that are within a team. Not only Steve Spagnuolo's subculture, but really one, even with young players, that can spread throughout the entire team. Karloftis is versatile. He can play on the edge. He can play inside. There have been Ryan Kerrigan comparisons. There have been Trey Hendrickson comparisons. He also is durable. People kind of snicker and laugh at, oh, this is the Greek guy that played water polo. <laughs> have you ever tried playing water polo? <laughs> it's impossible. I lasted hard. like 10 <laughs> seconds. I go, you don't get a touch? Like, if I can touch, you know, let's go. I can wing the. No, you don't get a touch. You're treading water the whole time, <laughs> catching Crazy. the ball, taking the ball in the face. You're swallowing water. Not fun. It's no fun. <laughs> it's like, I'm done with this. Like, where's your, let's go play pickleball. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you have to be incredibly, your lung capacity's got to be amazing to do it. Mm-hmm. And here's Karloftis. You mentioned it last night, but this guy was averaging 50 snaps a game and every week. So he's durable, he's versatile, he's smart, and he's tough, and I think a great scheme fit. And the word that he kept using to describe himself, the word that uh, Brett Veach used and Coach Reed used, one word to describe this guy, relentless. And I think it applies to every aspect of his life. And that relentlessness is because he is so versatile, can play outside on the edge or play inside. He's big. I mean, he's six foot two, 266 pounds. So you can bounce him inside and play some three tech when you need to, um, particularly maybe in passing situations. Um, but he's also an Ironman, like you said. I mean, he played at least 49 snaps in all but one game last year. He always wants to be on the field no matter the situation. Sometimes you have pass rushers that just want to get sacks. And they want to be on the field on third and long and, you know, tee off and get a sack. And that's great. But that's not always a football player. Like, you want a football player who, no matter what, if it's third and one, first and ten, third and 15, they want to be on the field. And that's George Karloftis. He's relentless and wants to be out there no matter what and do whatever he can to help the team. Uh, And that's what I love about this dude. I mean, that's what you want in the NFL. And the Chiefs are trying to really remake their defense here, have a culture shift. And adding a guy like that that wants to be out there no matter what and will give it his all no matter what is very exciting. Yeah, if you you Chiefs Kingdom fans have got to love the fact that this defense could really be something and changing the way kind of we viewed defense really over the last couple of years uh, with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs of being just good enough. This group can take that past that. And who else wants to watch one-on-ones when Karloftis is going to rep inside against Trey Smith and St. Joe? I'll be there on that day to see it. Is he repping outside or inside? Oh, it's against Trey Smith. I'm in, you know. So that will be fun and worth the uh, price of free admission, uh, or unless it's one of those special days at St. Joe at training camp. But so excited about Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis to go back to last week's uh, podcast. There's volume in this draft. The Chiefs had volume in, in the uh, 
with coming in with 12 picks. Use that collateral to make the trade up to get McDuffie, who fell to them. Uh, two, uh, in the fact that there is value. All right, that leads us as we close out this edition of Defending the Kingdom. Now, some of you will watch this after Friday and after Saturday. Keep in mind, we're going to have another Defending the Kingdom on Monday where we're going to look back at everything that happened over the weekend. But as it stands right now, as we're, we're recording this, the Chiefs are getting ready to go into Friday with picks 60, 50, 62, and 103, strategically placed, very strategically placed. And let's just give a global view here, Matt. People have said, well, what are they targeting? Well, here's what's available. Inside backer, wide receiver, quarterback, inside technique, edge again, if you're looking at maybe a compliment to Karloftis, and then the return game. The return game could be addressed uh, on Friday by the Kansas City Chiefs. So it'll be fun when we go back and do our show Monday to see what happened. But still, people go, gosh, is there anybody left? There's, there's a, a complete la- 10 laptops full of guys <laughs> left. Yeah, Brett uh, confirmed after the draft, after round one yesterday, that really any position was on the table except for quarterback. Shocking. No quarterbacks probably for the Chiefs today. But, but to your point, but to your point, the quarter, there's going to be a quarterback run. Look who's left. That's the good news. Malik Willis is left. I mean, Ritter's left. Uh, uh, Howell. Yeah, it, yeah. It, so they're all left, that, really, that's, that's for the most part, other than two. Yeah. If you're watching this before round two gets started and you're a Chiefs fan, be hoping for that quarterback run because it will push talent down the draft. Lots of good players still available. We've been talking all along that the real strength of this draft is really on day two. And Brett said as much yesterday because he said we love Thursday, but we're really excited for Friday because you have three picks in this range of players uh, that are just really good, solid players. I think a lot of depth in this area. Uh, Nicobe Dean is somehow still available. I don't know how. Um, he'll probably go early um, here in uh, round two, but George Pickens still out there. Sky Moore, Christian Watson, some very good receivers still available, and some good edge rushers if the Chiefs want to continue to add to their defensive front. Guys like Boye Mafe, Arnold Ebikite, and David Ajabo still out there. I could go on and on, uh, but lots of good players still available. I'm so excited for round two, and I can't wait to recap it after the fact because I'm really pumped about the first round, but truly the depth and strength of this draft and where teams can win this draft I think is day two. And you could find a really good, perhaps a starting right tackle on day two of this draft. There's a bunch of really good tackles left on the board uh, on the offensive line. At the very least, a young swing tackle who can eventually uh, move into a starting role. You know, I was on earlier today on our flagship station of the largest network of the National Football League uh, on the Chiefs Radio Network on 610 uh, Sports Radio here in Kansas City. I'm with Bob Fesco and Josh Klingler. I listened on the way in. Well, you heard me say, today feels like another first round. Yeah. Usually you don't feel this way. Like the first round is just full of all these guys, and you're like, okay, what are we going to do in the second? I have the same feeling today of the Chiefs making as much of an impact today and tomorrow as they did uh, on round one. This is, this is just a, a, a very different draft. But don't you feel a day one excitement, even though it's day two? Yeah, I really do. Now, the one thing with the round one guys that really excites me uh, with McDuffie and Karloftis is we get that fifth-year option. I think that's something that really to keep in mind there, that you get an extra year, basically, of each of those guys. So I'm excited about that. But once again, the strength of this draft is on day two. And for the teams that aren't picking until pick, like, 105 on day three, that's problematic because you're missing out on just a lot of good, solid depth in this draft. The Chiefs have three picks on day two. Uh, what, 50, 62, 
uh, and 103. Is yep. that right, 50, Mitch? 52, 103. And mm-hmm. they, they, they have these picks where they can really do some damage here, and I can't wait to see what direction they go in. I'm excited because we went edge and corner and addressed those two spots, spots we really felt like we needed to address because there's just not a lot of depth there right now. But when you do that in the first round, it opens things up on day two where if there's two really good players, one is position A, one is position B, you've already addressed one of them, so you feel comfortable going with the best player available. And that's really the hope uh, with the Chiefs in the second and third round. So we'll see what happens. I can't wait to talk about it in just a couple days, but we're going to be uh, in the conference room with our board upstairs crossing off names. And We've got to redo our board, right? Yeah. You always have to adjust the board for day two. That's yeah. why we're going right after this. So. Yeah, but it's going to be a lot of fun and just seeing what happens. Uh, but uh, if you're a Chiefs fan, um, buckle up for for round two and round three because we're going to get some good players. And good wide receivers are still there. So people have like, oh, wide receivers are all gone. Even with the run in the first round, no. no. There's a bunch that are still there. Make sure uh, that you uh, whip around again with us on Monday because we will redo, or I'm sorry, we will recap everything that happened on Friday and Saturday on Defending the Kingdom. But, you know, there are times, Matt, when we do Defending the Kingdoms where we're not kidding. <laughs> and when we do last, when we did last week's show of volume, value, and victory, we weren't kidding. Well, it's like when we do field pass before games, and <laughs> it doesn't always work. Sometimes we make predictions, and it doesn't go that way. But more often it, than not, more often than not, though, we we make predictions and say things and have a hypothesis, and it actually plays out in the game. And then on rewind, we can be like, "See, this is great." Well, I kind of feel that way going into this draft because we talked about the volume and the value. And that's how you have victory in this draft is capitalizing on those things. And in that same vein, that's why I'm glad the Chiefs didn't give a whole haul to trade up to like 10 or something. You know, that would have been really exciting to get a player that high, but they didn't have to do that. They got a guy in Trent McDuffie who probably should have been picked that high. They got him at 21 and still maintained a bunch of their picks. And that's the beauty of this. Uh, They still have a bunch of picks to go and uh, they can still do some damage. We weren't kidding. Now, we're not always right. If we're wrong, you'll never hear from it again. But when we're right, we'll remind you. He's Matt McMullen, uh, the Matt Stat himself, Chiefs reporter on Mitch Holter's Voice of the Chiefs. Again, we'll have another Defending the Kingdom that we will post on Monday to review the entire weekend. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.